Hello and welcome back to the Cast Iron Theatre podcast. Hello. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. We've been away. We we had actual time off. Yeah, we did. We did. Did we really though? Was there actually a full day where we weren't writing or planning or directing or producing? Probably not. Okay. Probably not. I think it's ingrained now, uh, fully ingrained in our writer brain. And just to, even for this pod alone, we're clearing the decks for the next season. Yeah, yeah. The next season of the Cast Iron Theatre podcast is coming out in uh, later this month. Yeah. Uh, we'll have six episode sections, yes. I suppose, series. Seasons. Seasons, that's it. That's the word I was looking for. Um, and then little breaks. Yeah. So that way, we're hoping the podcast will become more regular rather yeah. than... Uh, at the moment, it's been somewhat sporadic over well over summer, but also before that, we we never had a set date when we released the podcast, so that's going to change now. Yeah, so, and we've yeah. also got there. What's this? Cast Iron Shorts. We have it's the Cast Iron Shorts podcast, and it is uh, coming in later in autumn, um, and it's a podcast of short stories. So again. Little espresso nuggets of fiction. Yeah. And kind of to celebrate that and chat to someone who's sort of doing something similar already, we, we went and had a chat to um, Alan. Yes. And he creates the Broken Pieces podcast um, and 8mm as well. Um, and we chatted to him. Oh, it was a while ago now. Yes. When was it? It was in June. Uh, before we had our, uh, you know, extended sort of excursions. Uh, and yeah, our summer break. It feels, it sounds like we were off for like an entire three-month holiday. That That's not actually that's, true. No, that's not, that's not true at all. But we had a Wednesday off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we've been, we've kind of been just prepping the next podcast, yeah. haven't we? And doing lots of cast iron bits it and bobs. Does sound like we're both have been pulled in front of the headmaster's office to explain why we haven't uh, submitted uh, the dissertation. <laughs> no, no, we've we've been working we're on really, it. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Dog ate my podcast. Um, That's a good title. Yeah, <laughs> it's mine now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we chatted to Alan. Um, yes. He creates uh, fiction podcasts. He's um, he creates short film as well. So we chatted about that. We chatted about creativity. Um, we 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 did this podcast um, as a little experiment, really, in terms of where we recorded it. So we started recording it um, in an outside location in, yeah. in the centre of Brighton because uh, we thought it'd be nice. We'd have some nice background sound, and we we were very mm-hmm. aware that it might not go well we because of, of the background sound. A lot of background sound that we were blessed with. The background we we got sound. an extreme amount of background sound. So do um, we we mention it throughout the podcast. Um, we it, it should be lovely to listen to the main bulk of the podcast. Yes. It, it won't interrupt your listening too much. We have a nice atmosphere sound, but there are a couple of little cuts in the podcast where we we've moved to different locations so it's kind of like a like a uh, not a treasure hunt yeah a treasure hunt of yeah. the pod, of podcast uh in that we we moved to a different location halfway through the podcast um but uh have a listen to the end cuz i've i've kept a few little nuggets of us <laughs> endeavoring to cope <laughs> yeah and and getting more and more hysterical, which I now find very funny. And on the day, just thought this is going to be an editing nightmare. So that's what I've been doing for three months. That, I've been editing yeah. this one episode. Should have said that. Yeah, it's not true. Yeah. Well, now we've uh, um, presented the possibilities of how mm. fun this podcast is going to be. Um, we hope that you enjoy. As always, please um, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or indeed wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Tech has uh, made um, things like this a podcast, in fact, yeah. or film, or. TV or uh, audio drama that can be done that can be recorded off somebody's iPhone Uh, and we were discussing whether or not that was if there was a snobbish if there was like a hierarchy to how people respond to that and you were saying that 
actually that's something that might be self-inflicted. So I, I think up to recently people have thought if I'm not a professional, I, how, where would I start? You know, and I think people are getting they're so much they're getting so used to using phones and technology now, that, and then they listen back to audio they've recorded or what look at video that you can shoot on your phone now, whatever model it is, um, and you realise yeah this is nearly as good as anything I, I'm yeah. seeing on the internet or or. Um, uh, even in some cases stuff that you see in the cinema yeah. I think or, or here on the radio so it's I think it, it's cool I think as people become more tech savvy just especially from like sort of day one as young people have technology from the from the get go so to speak I think loads of stigmas are, are starting to fall away and, and people are realising that yeah you can do damn near professional stuff with very limited gear for me as well I think there's you know you, ha- you want to have a certain quality you know you, do, you know if something's completely just really loads of hissing and background noises it becomes distracting um, but I also think as well there's there's more space now people have more tolerance for stuff that's not perfect if it's interesting um, and uh, which is what I hope I hope that's true oh that, yeah, uh, yeah, that's definitely now. my <laughs> niche <laughs> we might say is imperfect it, is it about then either for the consumer or the person uh, producing is it about legitimacy of that whole idea that you've got mm. also you've got to suffer for your art it, it, it shouldn't be that easy to just pick up a phone and point it and that's yeah that's a really good question actually yeah and I think I think there definitely is a thing with yeah that le- legitimacy is a really good way of, of saying it I was speaking I'd be interested to hear because obviously you guys are writers as well you know I wrote uh, started writing short stories we can, we can kind of get into that connects to the podcasty stuff um, but when I started doing them and showing to I showed them to a couple of friends of mine and, and they one of them who is a more of a, a writer is her main thing you know as opposed to a sort of a, a amateur to some extent like myself and she sort of she sort of I said, I think this is finished now. I think this is, you know, it's this is. I'm done. Just give me some points. She was like, this isn't done. This isn't, you know, because it, it wasn't for following. I suppose whatever, in her mind, she yeah. thought a complete piece was. I, I think part of her resistance is because I just kind of jumped into it. So I think sometimes people think, yeah, there is a thing. It's like if you if you spent ten years of your life, um, we'll say perfecting an art form, and then you have someone who's just kind of hopped into it. Yeah, maybe you feel there's a little bit of tension or resentment there, but hopefully. I think I think hopefully that's going to go away because I think things are becoming more less cliquey. What do you think? I, I think there's I think both opposing views can have value. I think that it is possible to knock out a, a piece of genius in half an hour. But equally, when you, um, you know, something like um, Mick Jagger is asked, "Oh, how long did it take you to write that classic yeah. song?" Yeah, yeah, and they'll go, "Oh, that was twenty minutes," and that is that is technically correct it took them 20 minutes right. to write that right. but very good, very it good. took them a morning of getting up having a bacon sandwich having a few cigarettes meeting up with the mates noodling over some uh, tunes having a, a pub lunch coming mm. back in the afternoon writing it half an hour recording it done so it's true but there was a brain space around it and, yeah. uh, and the genes behind and, it well. and you could argue as well the years that led up to yeah, it exactly. of experience and from a technical level but I suppose and I think this, this brings up something that I, I think you know, um, I mean, my background is before I started doing artistic stuff, I was kind of doing um, artsy stuff as a kid. Um, but then I, in my 20s, got a degree in English and philosophy, which, as you know, is a massively lucrative market. But I said, no, <laughs> I'm not going to be a millionaire. So I went and did Tefling, and I lived in China, and then I lived in Saudi and northern Canada and all over the place. And spent a lot of time really not doing much creative stuff and doing a lot of traveling and monkeying around stuff. Uh, and then, I, then now only now kind of getting back into creative work again. And sort of my brother, who's been more consistently creative, I would say, over a longer period of time, he sort of asked me, do you think, you know, that was maybe a bit of a waste of time? And I was like, I think for me, the way I approach it is like, it's it's all art in a way, in a sense, super pretentious. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's a huge amount of people in Tefl who are artists. I think sure. there's a big crossover in that. Uh, yeah, I think, and that's a very good, important distinction. I wouldn't necessarily, it's, it's all, it's not necessarily all the same project for everybody. Yeah. But for me, I'm kind of like, you know, art, I suppose, or doing whatever, stories, whatever, is a way of expressing myself and better understanding myself in the world, as was traveling and as was meeting people. So I, and those experiences that I, I had, I hope, feed into some of the stuff that I'm doing now. So I, the, I, the almost the idea of, any experience can have value really and, and can build into you um, creating interesting stuff even if it wasn't an experience you had as 
a musician yeah. previously. So like Mick Jagger, so like everything that led up to that 20 minutes, all the other malarkey he did beforehand, yeah. the music stuff included, but also maybe, you know, whatever monkeying around with, with whatever yeah. else he was up to contributes to it too. So yeah, it's very pretentious. Do you, <laughs> let's talk about more pretentious. Yes, more pretentious. How pretentious can you make me sound? Well, okay, well, hey, you hey, don't hey, have hey. to try hard, so don't worry. <laughs> what was, do you remember uh, a point where there was a story, whether that be a short story, a kid's mm. story, a film, a TV program, recognizing a story as a story and being mm. interested in going, oh, the mechanics of that, I, I, I might be able to do that. Or what, even to, even you. if you didn't want to do it, wanting to unpick that and go, oh, how does that work? I think, um, I think, uh, I'm trying to think as a, as a, as a you know, it's very funny thinking about... I was having a conversation with a friend of mine that it was about film, but it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. Thinking about what is a film or what is a story and thinking about it as... As opposed to thinking about, like, what is life and how to represent it, like, what is the rep, rep, nature of representation? And I think I, the first time I sort of became aware of that, I started thinking about it, it was actually more to do with... Um, um, not, I was going to say comedy, but not as an industry, but as, like, humour. Yeah. Because a lot of humour is wordplay and being able to... Um, you say a sentence to me and I go, oh, did you mean this way and this other way and picking it apart? And that, the very nature of that is looking at structures almost of, of words and how they go together. So I think for me that's, you know, sort of trying to be funny or trying to be witty um, was maybe the first time I started thinking about structure and then that led into stories because, of course, you know, story, it's, 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 it's artifice and playing with form to try and get something interesting. Yeah. yeah. So. so Yeah, I was people I've done stand up in my time and I've done ah. X number of stuff um, and occasionally that question will come up of oh were you the storyteller in your class right. were you yeah, the yeah. entertainer yes. did you do the impersonations of teachers to sort of stop being bullied mm. and none of those things are true for me I right, I, yeah. I, I didn't do any of that yeah. uh, I don't adhere to that cliche Uh but if you, if you yourself are sort of unpicking what the artifice of comedy is, was that something that you were discovering as, as a youngster? Yeah, I think so. I started work because I, I was um, very introverted and very, very shy uh, as a teenager up until I started doing um, like uh, debating in school. Um, and uh, I sort of my I don't know when or why but I, I started making you know funny and humorous and then that really sort of unlocked a, a, a whole sort of realm of interaction with people that I hadn't had before because I felt sort of you know it's kind of a dweeby <laughs> outcasty sort of type um, uh, not there's anything wrong with that but you know that's what it was and um, and then it was I was like oh yeah just by this playing around with this artificial thing of standing in front of people and being like well global warming is this yeah. um, and, and putting a twist on it with humour allowed me messing with that structure allowed me to have to get a reaction from people that's yeah. the thing about comedy and the thing about story and the thing about all the stuff that relates to this on some level you are trying to you're having an experience whilst you're doing it but you're also trying to get a reaction from someone and it just opened up avenues to communication with me um, and then do yeah doing comedy in that sort of realm initially anyway yeah and you were saying that it took you perhaps arguably a bit of a while to get into being creative again or, or telling yes. stories again um, was that just um, nothing as dramatic as a disenchantment with traveling the world sure. but sure. yeah what brought you to that yeah. realization I think um, it's it's very funny you know I feel like um, I don't know. I feel like uh, I, I went through a large period where I was I was very happy being a character in a film as opposed to thinking about the film. If that makes sense. I was just rolling around the world, and I for for uh, having initially had a very creative sort of start. Kind of, I just I found sort of interacting with kind of foreign cultures and, and, and people abroad so very interesting that I my kind of desire to want to create something kind of just went away. I was just really enjoying being in the in the moment or whatever that was. I was also a massive alcoholic. <laughs> it probably helped. <laughs> I hope you be in the moment, though, right? Yeah. Um. Uh. But 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 I'm honest. That's sort of a joke, but it's sort of true as well because you know it's sort of a hedonistic sort of yeah. nihilism almost thing. But there's it, it, it's not all negative lots of it's enjoyable as well um, 
Uh, and then I, I don't know it's just I, I, I suppose I did, I did that for a while and lots of great experiences and then I was like I was like no I want to start putting this into something I want to start taking all these experiences I've had and started to constructing something again and getting that enjoyment out of creating a story yeah. again and I, I but I couldn't really put my finger on why I went through these different stages and maybe, maybe I'll feck off again and become an alcoholic again next week we'll see but um <laughs> but it, it, it yeah you know that's just part of it yeah yeah and I guess it's very difficult to we only get to sort of say those things with r- retrospection yes yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. Um, but you, so you were looking to be the god of your own universe rather than um, sort of yeah it's not necessarily the god in, in a way just being kicked around you know I mean it, it previously and now it's kind of yeah when you yeah just the difference between having a sort of a, a, a view from inside and a view from outside because I think a lot of storytelling to some extent is obviously it's a bit of both but you do become this omniscient sort of god character because you just create the world and set it up and for quite a long time I just wasn't interested in that viewpoint and now I sort of seem to be again well welcome back uh, like a, a proper legitimate cod pod podcast we're, uh, we're, at the, we're at the beach that's one thing cod past um, hey nice nice so yeah it sounds like a legitimate podcast where we've had an advert from our sponsors and um that's well. You, I mean, you listening now will know that better than I do. I, I'm, I'm guessing we didn't have an advert from our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by Screaming Wailing Toddler. Oh, yes. And questionableparentingtechniques.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, don't, <laughs> again, don't Google that. Don't uh, Google. No, I wouldn't Google that one. Not at work, anyway. No. Um. <laughs> we we were so we've 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 mo- we've moved. This is the first time. For our Brighton based podcast, where we, we've come down to the Brighton Beach. Brighton based beach? Yeah. And if you're watching the video, I'm impressed because we're not taking a video. Uh, but it, it, it's a Hard lovely day. Fans. Yeah, Hard yeah. Fans. It's one of the hottest days of the year so far. And we've um, come down to the Brighton Beach. We can see uh, both piers in front of us. Um, and yeah, we, we, we're just, we're, we're in a magical mystery tour of. Brighton, uh, and, and you, you yourself, Alan, you, you, you've 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 travelled. You see that segue? Um, oh, very nice. And very what what nice. and what initially brought you down to Brighton? The re- the reason I originally came to Brighton was because I have family here. My uncles and my aunts live down here, um, and I used to come over visit them uh, on occasion. Uh, and I just really I've always quite liked Brighton to be honest, um, uh, because I'm from a small town, and Brighton is very manageable do you know what I mean it's not yeah. a huge metropolis yeah, yeah. You, can, has, you can walk it oh yeah which I and I I'm a, I'm a walker as well so um, I kind of always liked it and I came over here then to do a teaching qualification which I then dropped out of <laughs> which I did about half I did about half of and then I was like oh no man this what, is what were your what, what, what were your signals what were your what what, what I kicked, uh, what, what what did you kick yourself out of for I I there was, well, well there was one particular moment when two um uh children with uh, special needs were attacking each other and trying to murder each other in my classroom which I remember being a sort of a point where I was like I don't know if I could do this every yeah, day yeah. Um, they were fine it wasn't you know I'm, no, I'm no, nobody died nobody yeah. died no. and they're both really nice kids as well. yeah. but uh, no actually honestly I'll tell you what the thing was, was I my, the, my, the school I was placed in uh, uh, was wonderful yeah. the teacher the, the mentors were the people training me were all great um, and I, I but I, what I realised was I was like if you want to do this, I think, well, no, I wouldn't say for everybody. If I wanted to do it, it had to be my main thing. Because yeah. the amount of, of energy it takes, I, in my opinion, or it would do for me, um, you, you, I, I couldn't also then have enough energy to do the more creative few malarkey that I want to do. God, I'm saying malarkey a lot. Um, and, it's um, okay, we can edit it out. We'll edit it out. We, we, we won't edit it out. Put a seagull noise in every yeah. time I say malarkey. Yeah, so that, that was... <laughs> Um, or a child screaming. Yeah. Um, but you know, that was why I, I thought these people are doing it so well and they care about it so much. And I'm like, I need to either decide that this is my thing or I need to try and go and off down the creative path and, and make that my thing. And, and that I decided on the latter. Yeah. Did you know what that meant at that time? If you were going to mm. be a storyteller, if you were going to be a podcaster, what did you think the creative path was? I think I, very general. I just, in the sense that it, it and I still feel that way. Yeah. Um, and we can chat about that some more. I'm like, 
uh, I because I, I like I've been doing podcasting and audio drama stuff now for a bit been writing short stories for a bit for me it's it's all it's all the same the size of the same weird shape <laughs> whatever shape that is whatever how many ever many things I said um, um, because I just I, I if I'm not creating stuff I'm miserable yeah and it doesn't matter what that stuff is really so um, so at the time I was really into audio and that's what I'm into now but I've also started really getting into film of late and I think I don't know if one will uh, envelop or destroy the other but um, at the time it was audio and now it's leaning more filmy and podcast because that's I mean in real money that's probably about a podcast about 10 years old now maybe 15 for sure um, but still particularly with audio drama and audio comedy it feels like we're still on the one of the first hurdle of what that is it yeah. feels like quite young in that sort of it seems like a resurrection of the old radio dramas etc it seems like podcasts have saved something that might have been a bit of a dying art is that yeah, fair? I think that's very fair and I, I think that's what's so wonderful about it you know um, that really um, it is still in this new stage and um, you know who, who would have thought you know however many years ago it's kind of a cliche to say it now but like you know radio would whatever all the young kids would be into yeah. because essentially that's sort of what it is um, uh, and uh, for me I think it's one of the reasons I really got interested in it was because when I was traveling and living in, in other countries like um, China where I was there for a long time um, you know I didn't have access to a lot of English language media especially at the time because it, it was it, I didn't have a computer or whatever it was and podcast was for my way of still staying plugged into kind of the English language world and and um, that uh, and then through that then I was like no this it's not just about that there's something so very interesting about having these voices in your head yeah. other than the regular ones yeah um, the day-to-day um, and uh, yeah and it is still this new frontier and I don't the thing I would say about it is I think there's just so many more possibilities with it the only thing I'd say now is maybe sometimes some of the stuff is getting a bit reified where people are like well do you do a true crime podcast or do you do a fiction podcast or do you and I'm like it can be anything it's it's literally just noises recorded. Yeah. There's there's no end to the potential possibilities there. I think. Yeah. What? Uh, so let's talk about your flag in that frontier. Uh, how would you describe your podcast? The um. So I I do a couple of podcasts, but the one that's my main um, focus or has been of late is called Walter Kane Broken Pieces. And Walter Kane is the writer of the short stories and um, Broken Pieces because they're all little bits and bobs. I love. Um, uh, that's the way to travel now, that is. <laughs> but listeners there, there's a, 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 a man carrying his, his, his lady friend on his back as he walks past us. Now that, there you, why weren't you doing that, Andrew, well, on the well, way down now? Huh? Well, the thing is that I, I, I'm quite old now. My memories of uh, on the beach donkey rides. And um, I mean, I, I, I guess that, that's the thing now. It's not donkey rides, it's just carrying your partner. It's just carrying your donkey of a partner. Yeah. Or sorry, oh, your, no, no, sorry, no, vice no, versa. No, no, vice versa. No, no, Whoops. No. Said that the wrong way around. Uh, Seagull noise. Seagull noise. I flirted dangerously to say an offensive thing and I, I, I managed to veer away from it. Well, and that you, was unintentional. Yeah, yeah. I apologise for all the. Uh, Donkeys. The donkeys out there, however you want to take that. Um, um, okay. So, yeah, you've got this uh, podcast, uh, Broken Pieces. Uh, mm. Yeah, Broken Pieces. And uh, tell me about that. So, um, uh, so yeah, so basically, um, I, uh, you know, I started writing short stories, and then I could have just said that they're written by me, but I was like, well, I'll have a ghost writer, because then it makes it seem like it's not. And this is sort of a secret, but I don't care. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I wanted to have another name on it or something other than it just being me. And also sometimes I do like putting a little bit of um, distance between who I am and what the, the, the work is, the work. Does that mean that you <laughs> as an author are a different character than you as an everyday yeah, human? I think, I think that's, uh, I, that is the case, but also it's the case that I think um, my personal philosophy kind of stuff about writing is or about reading as well, I think. is I'm, and lots of people don't have this philosophy and they don't agree with it and that's fine, but I am not at all interested in biography, really, you know? I, I one of the things I hate <laughs> is when you read a book yeah. or watch a film and then you have an interview with the author and you have all your own amazing version of what it means to you and they go, well, actually, it's all about this. And then you go, oh, no. It, and I've, I've, I, I don't want people to read my stories or watch my films or listen to the audio and think 
as an exercise to try and get to know me because yeah. that's the least interesting thing about it for me for yeah. me for the way I write I'm more interested in kind of the ideas and the themes that are contained within yeah. now of course it's, it's informed by your personal experience but I, I don't use it as a form of self-promotion beyond this, the state to which self-promotion helps promote yeah. the stuff yeah I, that reminds me like Judith Kerr uh, the children's writer uh, died this week uh, that we were recording this and she wrote the children's book The Tiger That Came to Tea mm. which become iconic and people would throughout her career ask her oh is that a, a, a metaphor for the Nazi occupation of Germany and the Holocaust or is it a metaphor for uh, women's liberation in the 1970s and the upending of, of gender roles and the sexual revolution and her answer <laughs> would always be no it's about a tiger came to tea. tea. <laughs> yeah. Love that. I love that. And so the, yeah, story sometimes the story can be just a story. Absolutely. Or 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 the thing is I think it it can it can be about those things if it's about those things for you. But her saying it's about those things and I'm not trying to put words in her mouth either. I don't I don't think that's necessary mm. or important. Like why limit I, uh, my personal feeling would be is as soon as, as you, you start trying to tell people what your idea about what the story was supposed to mean to you was, I mean you as the writer yeah. or whatever, you're kind of limiting their potential to interpret it in some ways. Because, you know, people, if I, people are naturally, they, they are primed with ideas, you know. If I say, hey, Andrew, um, you know, Holocaust, 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 and then I show you a picture of a red painting with a black stripe through it, yeah. you've been primed to interpret that yes. in a certain way, even if you're the most open-minded person. And I just think it's unnecessary. The most interesting thing about art is, you know, we can both look at something bonkers and we can have totally different, totally valid and, and really, you know, magical experiences that are very different to one another. Yeah, I de- definitely. I think you look at um, any sort of alien invasion movie from the 1930s onwards, yeah. it's obviously going to be informed by the political situation of the time, of course, yeah. but of yeah, gender politics or whatever, it's going to be you could remake the same movie every five years and it's going to be something different each now of five years. something different, yeah. yeah, yeah and, definitely. And and you're right, the, the audiences, they steal your story from you. It's no longer yeah. your story once you've released great. it out. That's great. Um, how, how, yeah, how long has um, Broken Pieces been, been produced for? So it's been about, it's nearly a year um, uh, to the day recently that I've been doing it, um, I, I think. And we have 15 episodes, um, so there was a relaunch with three and then did one a yeah. month. Because that was about what I could, or we could manage sustainably. Um, because we kind of write, I write the pieces, my brother helps me edit them, puts them together. I get in contact with Irish, mostly Irish, although now we, we have some Americans and a couple of them probably be branching out from that, performers on board to record them. We go back and forth with them with recordings and then we produce the show and I sound engineer it and all this stuff and sound effects. So it takes quite a lot of time. And you know, I mean, if you want to do anything else <laughs> as well, so, so one a month was the most we could really do. Um, so it's been around for about a year. Um, what was the question? <laughs> well, that's kind. Of, that is somewhat the question. Although it, 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 it prompted me to another question, which was, um, at least in the early days, in the mm. early episodes, was the Irish DNA an important part of the makeup of it? It's a great question. Um, I think yes and no. It, kind of yes, but in the opposite way than it might be imagined. One thing that I am l- very interested in is. Um, uh, Sto- like it's kind of representation, uh, uh, and I, in my opinion, uh, there's sort of like two two ideas about representation. One is that like you know, um, there's stories about peoples and cultures that haven't seen the light of day because of blah 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 systematic prejudice. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Those are really important stories, really, and and that's great to tell them. Um, but there's also this other s- section about representation that I think is really interesting and I'm more interested in and also feel more able to contribute to, which is just stories that happen to feature people from blah, 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 background, but yeah. aren't centred, not that it ignores their identity, but aren't centred on their cultural, ethnic, racial, national identity. Just so happens that they're, you know, a Nigerian Irish dude or whatever yeah. it is, who's a spaceman, yeah. you know, or whatever that is. And I think that second category is stuff that I'm really interested in. And actually what I wanted to do with Broken Pieces, um, amongst other things, um, was um, have stories that had Irish people in them that actually weren't really about being Irish. They just happen to have Irish voices. So it would be incidental to the plot, but it would flavour the plot. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's not just because 
there's some social mission behind that. I, I think that's really interesting then as well. I thought, you know, we have, we have sort of sci-fi ones that have Irish voices. We have horror ones that have Irish voices. And I was just like, you know, you just, there's, there's not, in my opinion, maybe there's not enough stuff where the, the Irish identity is incidental. Um, and I just liked it. I liked that almost as a, as a, as a flavour, as you said, yeah. I you know? guess, yeah, because there is, to go down the cliché route, there is the concept of the Irish being great raconteurs and storytellers mm. and telling folk tales about stories that have been in the village or the family for many years. But that is quite integral to the Irishness of it. Sure. Whereas sure. if it's a, a story about an unfortunate bank manager who's having an affair, <laughs> that bank manager story, it's not integral to the plot that, mm. that it's Irish, but it's going to be a different story than if it was an English bank manager. That's, that's a nice way of saying it, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's not focusing on the identity entirely, so it's not forcing everything through that prism, but it's going to give it this extra um, flavour or this extra um, different dimension. And that's that sort of category of, of films with people of, of different identities other than, you know, whatever it might be, you know, your white, straight, male protagonist of, of, of Anglo-American descent. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's cool to have the stories that are focused on other identities, but it's also great just to have stories where, you know, it's just a, it happens to be a Vietnamese spaceman. Yeah. You know, that's, that's another, that's a whole untapped realm, I think, of, yeah. of interest, you know. You were saying that um, Broken Peace is I mean, the second of your podcasts? Uh, or the first? Yeah, yeah, sort of the second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so let's uh, hear about the, the first. <laughs> so the first one, and this ties back to this idea of thinking about what podcast can be maybe. first podcast I made was years ago. Uh, it's called Michael Doesn't Know. Michael was a very good friend of mine who was living abroad at the time, uh, still is. And um, he... And my, me and my friend Louise, one of my best friends, who's also best friends with him, we all, all like podcasts and uh, we missed him because he was away. And we was like, we should make a podcast for him. That'll be great. We'll make a podcast just for him, just to show how much we miss him. And, you know, kind of tongue in cheek because we're all jokers and that. Um, and then we said, and I said, well, when will we tell him? We said, well, we'll make a few episodes and we'll put it up on iTunes and maybe he'll just find it. This idea of discovering stuff at random, you know. And then we thought, ah, but what if he never finds it? And then we said, that's great. We'll build a whole, we'll never tell him. We'll, we'll, we'll make a podcast and we'll all about, not about him, but for him, stuff that, only, that specifically, the, the mandate of it was, whatever goes into this has to be the kind of stuff that he would find interesting slash funny. That's, that's, the, that's the, 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 the key criteria. And we'll make a podcast about it. And the double thing that's double funny, ironic, which you would also like, is the fact that it's called the Michael Doesn't Know Podcast and we'll never tell him about it. And we did that for nine months. And then he found out at Christmas and tried to kill me. <laughs> That's such a genuinely beautiful idea that I feel deserved to go a bit viral. That I'm What's what I felt as well. <laughs> I'm surprised that somebody didn't pick up on that and that, like, that it'll be hashtag hunt for Michael. Yeah, um, that's sort of what we wanted, but I suppose we didn't have necessarily the uh, the means at the time or yeah. something to do that. Plus, that was, geez, nearly, that's nearly four or five years ago as well, just in terms of maybe, I suppose, even my awareness of social media yeah. and how to use it, which is still fairly rudimentary. Um, uh, maybe wasn't there as well. But also, you know, the other thing about it is, I mean, I wouldn't say that I just did it because we wanted other people to be interested in it or it really was this would be funny for him and it's funny for us and i like i like and that's something that i think is sort of a little bit untapped it's like the personal podcast yeah why why can't and you know i think what, what were they name what were the names the vlog brothers they sort of started doing that i'm like if you you could i could just make a podcast for you andrew just to like alan's update and andrew podcast yeah. once a week if we were living in different cities yeah. like why not all the there's no why 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 does it have to be explicitly public you know and that's just one of the dimensions i think that are there to be explored with with this stuff you know and because there's so many true crime podcast or whatever I, i'm now engaged by the idea of somebody go uh, you know doing a podcast game right i'm recording this live it, you know i'm recording it <laughs> week by week and i don't know if he'll find out but this is my podcast to find out if my husband is having an affair that's great <laughs> that's great <laughs> <laughs> and for it to be a real go sort of thing and again I'm not going to tell you my name I'm not going to tell you my postcode or where in the world I am but you can tell one of my accent I, I, I'm from England or and, um, and we're going to call 
girl X, she was back at work on Tuesday. She never works Tuesdays normally, and so on. And so <laughs> how long? <laughs> That's great. When you said it's a true crime, I was worried you're going to get very dark there. Yeah, no. I just start killing people all over the city and see how long it takes. Catch me if you can. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's. You know, it's very funny as Tonda Friend, uh, I suppose I don't want to blow up his idea, but he was sort of talking about an idea how you could use, you know, the thing on YouTube whereby it's like, what's up next video, yeah. to use that as a sort of a storytelling mechanism without giving away his idea too much. But like, it's the same with RSS feeds with podcasts and these different things. Like, there's so... Just doing fiction or just doing non-fiction, that's great. But there's so many other, I think, untapped potentials there, the way we could use this stuff. Well, the, you know? yeah, the, the media of... Uh, there's been a couple of ideas that frankly have failed and I've been sure. frustrated uh, not my own so they've been by big names and I've been frustrated by the fact that they've failed because mm. I, I almost blamed the audience for going oh come on that was quite clever and you didn't go up for that I remember back in the 90s Stephen King was doing online books before online books were a thing right, right. Uh, and uh, literally just a chapter a month mm. and they wouldn't go for it um, and nowadays you've got uh, stuff like band snaps uh, of just using yeah. the medium in a way that can exploit itself yes and so yes. yeah the idea that like we were speaking earlier about um, certain things only possible in the era that they were written yes. like uh, Blair Witch on mobile phones Brilliant. so yeah, yeah YouTube I mean it's 10-15 years old now but I imagine it's probably in its format it's in the last days of it can't develop any further without a massive yeah. change yeah. and so then, yeah there must be something about yeah next up on Def- but uh, the thing is as well as I think I think there's two sides to that in the sense that there can be yeah, there can be um, the shift sometimes, sometimes, and the Blair Witch is an interesting example of that, sometimes the shift can be a technological shift allows a new idea. So the hardware changes and, thus, and then, then that puts a change in the software, if you want to think of it, if you think of our ideas as being software. Um, but also I think, kind of like with the Michael Lizzo podcast, whatever it is, is sometimes, you know, the idea, the change can come from you just, you literally just reimagining what you can do with the existent technology yeah. and I think that's that's the stuff that's just untapped and hopefully we can come up with some more ideas but, and hopefully they won't all be failures yeah <laughs> and, and we've, we've occasionally veered towards it um, just by inference but let, let's um, go into it you're not just about the audio you're also about the visual about film as well so let's um, go in what's that sure. for you sure so um, uh, after I uh, departed from my uh, a, a failed educational education career um, there just in the new year uh, I was thinking I had this idea for a film that I came up with with my friend Tony so Tony Liang Peng Yu Liang oh, sorry Liang Peng Yu wrong one name um, he um, probably killed me now for saying his name wrong do you want to st- do that again? Um, no it doesn't matter he's alright he's, he's good enough friends with me that I don't care <laughs> but so I, I, I lived in China for six years and I have a degree in Mandarin or Chinese language and culture yeah. um, so I learned to speak Mandarin Chinese pretty well um, I used, used to be good and you get rusty then when you're away um, so I was looking for someone to practice speaking Chinese with um, here in Brighton put a message up on some notice board thing and got in contact with Tony uh, who was looking to improve his English um, and uh, we just got on really well from the jump which is not always the case because you know sometimes sometimes the language level's right but the personalities are completely yes. off or vice versa or one person is so much this is normally what I get as well the other person is so much better at English than you are whatever the language is that you're just like I give up I, you know I'm never gonna yeah I like so, the fact that you said uh, for your example particularly to yourself <laughs> that the other person is so much better at English than you are yeah, yeah that's true yeah yeah um, but um, uh, uh, so yeah you, you, you'd met you'd connected yeah and, sorry we, we connected and, and then we found out that we were both really interested in film Tony is a master's film student and I have just always had a sort of sort of I don't know passing interest in film or film analysis or criticism stuff um, and then we talking about living in each other's countries and talking about some of the experiences that he's had here and I've had there. We sort of start, and I um, that was combined with an experience I had where I went back to Ireland for a funeral. A very good friend of mine's father, um, and then we were talking about the differences between funerals in China and funerals yeah. in Ireland. And a bunch of these different ideas were circulating. And I said, Tony, I'm going to write a script about this, and we're going to make a film. And as he normally does, he kind of goes, <sighs> Okay. Um, which is normally his response to most of my things, you know, he goes, oh, okay. Uh, and then I wrote the script, and yeah, he liked it, and he helped me, he, I wrote the Chinese dialogue, and then he, uh, 
like it's half in English and half yeah. in Chinese this film. And um, I wrote Chinese dialogue, and then he said, "Alan, do you do you want these characters to sound like they're sort of you know mentally damaged robots?" And I was like, mm, "Not exactly." He was like, "Let me just tweak some of this, okay?" Um, so he uh, he he you know helped rewrite yeah. those sections and make them more natural. And uh, yeah, and then we decided we were going to make this film. So he had loads of experience making films, and I had none. But I think. Um, that's yeah that's basically how it started in in film at all and um we uh we wrote the script uh did the you know did all the planning the pre-production stuff tony had a low bunch of like film student friends of his who were all chinese actually um as it turns out uh and they all agreed to work for free which is amazing because i got no money uh and we did some casting and we, we found some people again who would work for free which is wonderful um, and, ama- and, and I mean, really, I mean, I say, I say, I don't say that flippantly as well. They were, they were, they, ev- everyone was so very good and so very generous with their time um, because they liked the script, yeah. which was, which was so nice, really, to be honest. Um, and we shot it in four days all around Brighton, um, and they were four very hectic days. <laughs> um, but it was great, and I just finished editing it there the other day, and we started submitting it to festivals now. Ah. And I'm sorry, and it's called Overseas Guide. Overseas guys, which is Jing Jing Wai Zhu in um, Chinese, and so so that's going out to festival. Well, you're submitting it to festivals. We're, we're basically submitting it to festivals now. So there's there's a couple down here in Brighton, which is um, which we're hoping would be great to get into. What I was just going to say is like I think um, hopefully like the film is kind of different. You know, having a half Mandarin Chinese, half English film set in the UK. There's not that many people doing that over no. here at the moment. And then there's the there's the Irish angle too because I'm Irish. I can do apparently I, do, I only worked this out the other day. I can submit it to Irish film festivals as well, and we can submit it to Chinese film festivals and Mandarin language festivals. So we're just hoping that it, it's kind of different enough. And I suppose one thing maybe I didn't mention before is it's sort of the story is basically about a Chinese student in Brighton, um, and it's set up as if it's a kind of um, a, an educational film or like. Um, as if it's supposed to prepare, presumably Chinese students, for living in a foreign country. Um, but as the film kind of goes on, the character has more and more sort of weird dreams and nightmares and stuff like that. <laughs> as it goes on, it basically gets weirder and weirder, um, and it kind of diverges from that uh, element of this podcast. I like elements. I quite like this. That's 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 a surreal element to it, which is what the film has as well. This is something that we sometimes ask our podcast guests. Or oh, was there an idea that you? had when you were younger uh, that you didn't exploit so yeah I, I we used to keep and breed tropical fish and tropical birds like budgies and finches and things like that and I was really interested in pets and animals and I was thinking um, what would be a good pet that no one's made a pet before and what's hard to kill because that's a very important quality for a pet yes, and then I thought what's the thing that the people are like we just can't kill them and the answer to that question was cockroaches and I was like cockroaches that's it Alan that's how you become a millionaire and as you can tell it didn't quite work out um, uh, yeah because the second part of that question that we normally ask is what's the <laughs> idea that you had as a kid that you didn't do anything about and then you watch the media and somebody has got you that idea before you have made all the money I, I, I'll be honest I haven't seen that idea exploited you know what you're absolutely right Andrew I could still make money yeah. off this thing because what I was going to say before is to see the thing about the cockroaches the cockroach is like the rat that was what I was going to say Yeah. because rats if you keep them as pets they're very clean they're yeah. only dirty because they're hanging around in dirty places and the same is true of cockroaches not inherently nasty so they're Don't clean. Judge somebody by the company they I, keep or the environment they come from. Exactly. Exactly. Individual cockroaches. Yes. Exactly. By the, the by the quality of their carapace or whatever the thing is. Um, <laughs> That's the name of your next story. <laughs> the quality of the carapace. A moral tale in seventeen installments. Um, <laughs> Metamorphosis had nothing on so, that. Oh, that's, uh, so, so yeah, that, I think that was the invention. The other question we, because uh, you, you you're now a Brighton boy. And, Brighton um, boy. You've lived here for how long? A year. Oh, coming up in a year. Coming so you, a you're year. a resident here. You live here, but there's going to be a part of you that still thinks of yourself as a, a tourist. You're still discovering things for sure. Uh, and you'll be having conversations like this. You uh, something that's come up a lot in today's conversation mm. is that your ideas for story and the next podcast have come from conversations with friends. For so sure. that's clearly a thing that 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 fuels your storytelling. Yeah. Um, when you are writing, whether it be doodling on, on a pad or mm. flicking through. Uh, um, um, a device or chatting with uh, friends where in Brighton 
do you hang out? Or where, where's a good sort of nurturing environment? It's um, it's a kind of as with all my answers. Let me answer a different question. That's normally what I do, isn't it? Um, but I two things. So I quite like I quite like the bandstand cafe up here in the week because it's normally empty and it's very nice. It's by the shore and it's very quiet normally. It wouldn't be at the weekend and be jammed. I quite like wandering down here sometimes. There, I enjoy that. But honestly, for me, um, this like I. I, I like walking. I like walking around, and that's where I get most of my best ideas from. Um, and one thing, one of the things that with the film, that, that sort of one of the things that's kind of inspired it was, I, I like going to empty places sometimes. I like going to places that uh, are a bit deserted. And I was saying to, who was I talking to? A pizza man. That's, yeah, I was talking to a pizza man the other day. Because uh, uh, he was working a night shift, and I used to work night shifts too. And I, I said... You weren't just following him. No, and I was just following. Come back, come back, pizza man. No, um, I, uh, I was saying. To, I said I quite like working night shifts. I like it four o'clock in the morning because all the drunks have gone home, but the people who have to work aren't. aren't well, most of them um, uh, aren't up yet. And I like, I like that. I love walking through places that are normally full of people that are deserted. And for whatever reason, that has a weird cosmic effect that puts my brain into a good state for thinking of ideas. So. I, I, yeah, that's that's a terrible answer. I love these places when none of you are here. <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say. That segues into a, a not a relevant question, but because your podcast, your storytelling podcast, mm. which are these uh, broken pieces, are these nuggets of life, and you say they could be horror or they could be sort of, uh, more ruminative than that. Sure. And that I that relationship you got before. I think I think the answer is, and I, I'm glad you said the four o'clock morning vibe thing because I think that is the time to listen to them for me, and that's really the headspace that I find the most interesting is when you sort of you're in that sort of really sort of tired, slightly hypnotic state, and um, it's kind of circles around and encompasses a lot about the stuff that I think we're talking around is the stuff for me that I love short stories or films or whatever it is is it's if it can put you into a headspace that you can't explain that you can't write down that you couldn't articulate um, but that through reading another person's work or watching something that they've, they've painted or, or filmed that, that that state that odd unusual state that we all feel um, but we can't quite articulate being able to put somebody into that state or put yourself into it if you're experiencing your own work I just think that's magic and I love it so I think yeah, four in the morning is bang on. The four in the morning stories. There's, there's, there's a podcast on tap there. As we get to the end of the podcast, um, this episode, how often do you start an idea or that that initial idea hooks you, but you don't necessarily know how it's going to turn at the end? So you know, do you often go in blind in a story? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's it's funny for me. It's normally. Um, most of the time, it's either I know the end and not the start, or I know the start and not the end. Um, the knowing the end and not the start is kind of cool because you you know what you're working towards. Yeah. So so that really motivates you to keep going because you know if I can just get there, that's worth it. Um, but but yeah, I think um, even more so for me now than I think before, as I kind of hone in on the stuff I really like. I, it's it's. Um, I, I don't necessarily, sometimes I don't know where it's going to start or where it's going to end, one or the other, or both. <laughs> I've got half an idea for a middle. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's a great idea. pitch. Um, but it's like, I know how I want it to feel. I know, like talking about this four in the morning idea or this feel, a, a, a certain state that I want to get to. And that, that can be a real guiding force then. Because then it's all about, does the next step, have I have I reached the, as much as the, the the length or the shortness of it is dictated by how much it's sticking to the the, the boundaries of creating that feeling, yeah. and uh, that for me is is kind of what I'm looking at at the moment. Because yeah, that that goes back to what we were saying at the start about it doesn't necessarily matter what the quality of the device you're making that story on, it's the story itself, yes. and that old interview pitch, that old story idea that people won't necessarily know what told them mm. but they will remember how you made them feel yes and what yeah. the, what their gut visceral reaction to it is how then alan do you want your 
readers or listeners to feel? How do I want them to feel? Well, I mean, it's a bit loaded. It's a bit loaded. But but I mean, as again, my sneaky answer is I I, I sort of pretend I, I don't have any plan for how that they can feel however they want. Whereas that which is which is true. I think I don't I don't want to influence them in a sense of telling them how to feel in a like this is what this story is about sense. Um, but. In a, in a broad sense, what I want is is kind of like I was talking about slightly earlier. Is you know I experience emotional or psychological or states that I think I, I don't have a name for. I, I can't put a label on. I can't describe properly. If you were to ask me what I meant, and the only way I can convey them to myself is by sometimes creating stories or images, if it's if it's film or whatever. And I want people who I experience these other things that they can't articulate, to be able to see something or read something and go, that's it, that's what I've been feeling. And that's, I still can't say what it is, but somebody else has thought that or felt that. And, and if I could create something that someone would look at or read and have that response, I mean, that's what I want. I want people to, to know that other people are exper- experiencing and feeling things that don't fit into narrow categories of experience. It's a pretty good aim. Um, Alan, thank you very much. Thank you very much, guys. It's been an ex- exciting and uh, uh, trying, but overall very uh, empowering experience. It's been a thing of beauty, isn't it? We've got the soundtrack of Desert Island Discs um, <laughs> in the background. We've also the soundtrack of um, Normandy. <laughs> <laughs>3 media students are going to be lost out in the woods without a mobile phone. (laughs) (laughs) Put a seagull noise in every time I say monarchy. Potentially good about it is it's a bit different to have... We're being, we're being, being stones. Yeah. Being, Again, the, stones, the, the, yeah. the reviews are getting more intense. I tell you, that's it. They, they're not. They're, that, they didn't like that description no, of that film no, at all. No, no. <laughs> so, well, I, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. So sorry. I know I kind of went into um, what would we say? Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I, hang on now. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if the stoning stops. I think it's going to continue. So I thought, and cockroaches are like rats because... Um, <laughs> cockroaches. Cockroaches are like rats. They're like rats. <laughs> Come, take me away. Pull me up on your rope. Emergency helicopter. That's the it. cockroaches are just like rats. Cockroaches are just like rats. That's the important point I was about to make. <laughs> <laughs> Cock- <laughs>